Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and I'm so excited to be joined once again by Jackie and Matt. We were all counting down the moments for The Mandalorian to return, and it is finally here, and I don't think it disappointed. Major spoiler alert warning, we go into lots of the nitty gritty details of the show, so if you haven't seen Chapter 9 yet, watch that first. Also, we do chat a little bit about stuff that I think has been revealed to us on the Clone Wars, and I will say that I don't think any of us have seen Clone Wars 100% of the way through, so there might be a, a little bit of knowledge gap there, which I would like to think gives us more to learn and explore. And we're also sort of wondering to ourselves, are they trying to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. us and make us basically watch this other entire series in order to understand every single thing about The Mandalorian? We're not sure yet. We'll find out. So again, spoiler alert for chapter nine. We were also given a new trailer for Bridgerton, which is from Shonda Rhimes. It's gonna be on Netflix. It would probably be helpful to see the trailer. It'll only take a minute and a half of your time. And then finally, we watched The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. And again, you probably want to have seen the entire series in order for our discussion to make sense. It's seven parts, it's about seven hours. I think it was really worth it, but let's get right into it. Without further ado, here's We're Watching What? Okay, so. We're gonna start off with the Bridgerton trailer that just dropped today when we are recording this, which I will fully admit, I didn't watch the trailer first. I just saw the press release and I was very confused because I thought it was just white people, but it's from Shonda Rhimes. And very clearly the second you start watching the trailer, it is a, a multicultural Regency era England drama. Yes. So Jackie's Wheelhouse. <laughs> Yes, I'm ridiculously excited. I actually read these books back in the day. So this is based on a romance novel series Julia Quinn wrote. I think they started in the early 90s, but it could be longer ago than that. And I've been reading them for a long time. I have not read them in recent years, so I will not attest to how well they hold up in, you know, now that I'm more of a feminist than I was when I first read them. But I think we can count on Shonda for updating it as she clearly has with all of the casting I've been watching the casting news actually and been very, very excited that it was colorblind and that we're gonna get some really, really attractive folks in here who aren't just white, especially for a Regency romance. Yeah, it looks really fun. I, I think I'd mentioned before, I thought it looked, gave the vibe of kind of a period piece, gossip girl type of thing. And it seems pretty cool. It, it kind of also, when we talk about the colorblind casting, it reminded me of something I really appreciated about Mary Queen of Scots a couple of years ago, which different opinions on the film, I'm sure whether that was good or not or whatever, but with Saoirse Ronan and uh, Margot Robbie. And uh, I really appreciated that in that you had, even though the leads here were white, they just kind of went and diversified a lot of just all of the supporting cast in a way. Didn't talk about it. Just was, hey, here are these talented actors playing these parts. And it was it was cool. Uh, and I, it just kind of gives me that, that vibe in a way. And I love it. Yeah, I'm always a little bit sad when they do that only because I feel like the one group that gets left out, like colorblind casting these days usually means black and white. It does not necessarily include Asian or Latinx or other, you know, I, I, the whole Oscar so white thing was really about a lack of black representation, but then there are all these other, and not that it's the oppression Olympics and that we should be upset about any of these other groups being elevated, but I always look to the crowd and I go, okay, but where are the Asians? I get that too, yeah. And I, I one thing I, at the time after Crazy Rich Asians was out, I, I think like, I, like everyone else, I started really loving uh, Gemma Chan, and she was in Mary Queen of Scots, and I think she was like Margot's like, lead handmaiden, mm -hmm. if not, but so she had a decent size role as far as the side characters go, and I loved seeing her, and she was one of them, but I but totally agree with you. I think that when we talk about that stuff so much, and maybe it just, when you go deeper into American history, and it was so white people bringing over, you know, slavery and all this kind of stuff, 
it is a very black and white issue a lot of the times that it seems that way, but really it's so like we are such, especially I think we're all in California here, we're such a diverse group of people in this country that yeah, like colorblind Catholics can mean everything from every corner of the world. Really, I mean, there is one Asian person in the trailer, Dana. I don't know. Where oh, oh yeah, great. We get one. Okay. We get well, one Asian token. I don't know why trailer. you're complaining. Okay, so I need you to realize that there is one Asian person in the whole trailer. My bad. My. Bad. I mean, look, I clearly didn't see color because I didn't even notice that. <laughs> main protagonist and that might just be a screen resolution thing so maybe i just need to watch this on a different screen and i'll be like oh my god thank god we have one asian in the trailer yeah, there's, there's one asian in the trailer but you know I, you know as someone of course who's always looking for people of different abilities and things you know mm -hmm. very rarely get that also so, yep very valid i totally understand and and feel the pain there with the representation but you know you know i i think if you don't bring it up, then it's a disservice to everyone, but it doesn't mean that you're dissatisfied with what's going on. Sure. Just making sure that we, you know, keep and moving you forward. On. Progress yeah. is progress, but it doesn't mean that you did this and that means, oh, great, now everything's fixed or something. Like, you yeah, know, we, we, we didn't solve forward. diversity, but, right. but yeah, I think you said it very well in that it's, it's not to take away from this, but it is just something that we do have to continue to have as a conversation. The other thing that kind of ran through my mind while watching this trailer, I was like, this trailer looks great. This trailer looks beautiful. The production design looks great. And I think it's something that we talked about with Enola Holmes, where it was like, oh, this feels like a practical set. This feels like they're actually in a location, but I feel like trailers can be deceiving and something like uh, Rebecca actually, or something like, well, uh, did, it, did anyone watch Emma period uh, earlier this year? Yeah. Yeah. That was something to me that I was like, this feels not half-assed, but it just felt like the circumstances didn't match the quality of what it should have been for me. Right. I think, and we touched on that before talking about the differences between what some things that go direct to streaming kind of feel a little bit less in the production value area. And I, I really did enjoy the film, Emma, but I totally agree that it felt like if that had come out even just a month later, because we would have been in quarantine at that point and went straight to streaming, I think I would have felt it fit in the streaming world mm -hmm. you know, more, more than the theatrical in that way. And, and I think that, yeah, Nola Holmes really did feel like, I, air quotes, but a, a real movie in, the, in that way where it was like, wow, this doesn't feel like something that was made for a streaming service. It feels like something that was made for a theater. And I agree that this has that same kind of vibe, even though obviously I think it's a series, so it wouldn't have been theatrical, it, but the production value is high looking. Yeah, the production value, I think I've been hearing about this for years. So it's been in production for a really long time. Mm -hmm usually gives you a good indication of how well it's going to be put together, whether or not we like it or not, you know, yeah, have spent a good chunk of time making and some money went into it, right? <laughs> right. And that's actually to their credit. And I think that the concern is always like, oh, the, the best shots are going to be in the trailer. And then once you start watching a series, it sort of falls apart production wise. But I will say Shonda is a big name that, you know, I assume Netflix courted her heavily she probably got what she wanted in terms of production. And this is probably a bigger budget than some of her other, you know, network television projects may have received. So this could mean a huge leap potentially. And actually if she could do what she has done for network television mm -hmm. with those limited budgets, what, what can she do with a Netflix budget? And agree. And I, and I could be insane, but I thought I read before that I thought Sean had <laughs> gone and gotten 
kind of more of an overarching deal where she was maybe producing some things for Netflix. Am I nuts or is that? No, I think that's right. I, I, yeah. She she had some interview recently also that- um, Talking I, about that, kind of going away from the ABC kind of uh, world. It's not an exclusive deal with Netflix. Right, right. And, and it's interesting to see because they just did that with Ryan Murphy as well. And I, you know, I Ryan Murphy has done some great things and stuff that's been going on Netflix, a couple of documentary things that I've really enjoyed. But I have thought that a lot of the scripted stuff that we're getting on Netflix from him, I know we did get a prom trailer recently as well that that's coming out in the Christmas holiday season, uh, just a film, but star studded cast, but another Ryan Murphy production on Netflix. And some of them, I started feeling like we're all uh, style over substance, uh, the mm -hmm. ratchet kind of thing, Hollywood. I, I didn't, I, I enjoyed, I watched him, I enjoyed him enough, but started feeling very like, this has Ryan's signature on it, but it doesn't have his storytelling prowess behind it. And I'm hoping that uh, Shonda will not do that. Rise above. I mean, I like politician, politicians. Politician. I, yeah. I like politician, but I think this really actually probably goes back to a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about in terms of nobody pushes back on these people, right? They become these huge names. They get to go to a streaming service. They then nobody says like, is this good anymore? They're almost god goddesses for these streaming services, and then it's just oh, do whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Shonda did sign a deal with Netflix. Okay. You are correct. I think this is the first of her projects from yeah. them that is going to sort of see the light of day. I believe so. Yeah. Apparently, she was making over two billion dollars for Disney slash ABC. Oh, there you go. So this, I wonder what she's making now then, because to well, ditch I, it and I come mean, over. Yeah. I'm Good so excited. I, I love all the Shonda shows. I mean, eventually they get, they go on for too long. In my opinion, like Grey's should have ended a lot long time ago. And so should How to Catch a Murderer. But when Scandal should have ended before it did. But I enjoyed the first couple of seasons of all of those. Yeah, I had to stop watching Scandal at some point because I would just start talking like the characters. <laughs> it's not quite Aaron Sorkin level, but she does, there's a sort of intensity to the way they talk and they get very flustered and angry over nothing, but they're also very eloquent and their speeches are all very diatribe and like pontificating. And I was starting to mimic that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, I need to bring my blood pressure down a couple levels. And so I had to sort of take breaks in between watching the show and then I just never finished it. But I think Scandal is one of those shows where you really see the brilliance of her writing because I mean, the situations, if you ever have to explain that show to anyone, are the craziest, most unrealistic, wild adventures. When you're watching it, she does such a good job with the character studies that you're into it and you're very like stressed for everyone involved, or at least I am. Like I find myself very like involved with all of them, despite the fact that the plots themselves are a little unrealistic. Oh, a little is- Is kind. Is kind, yeah. But, but I agree with you. I absolutely got caught up in it. But now thinking back, I'm like trying to, I was like, I don't even know if it's worth not spoil. But there are some plots like the kidnapping plot and the, all this stuff. I was just, it gets, it gets it got wild. It got wild. It got very wild. But somehow she managed me to still care about the characters as this is all happening. So I, I do think the Bridgertons is definitely like a good subject matter for her. Like Matt said, it is very Gossip Girl. There's mm -hmm. you know, and it's got a lot of interpersonal drama, which is something she thrives at. So well, I also don't think we should be forgetting that uh, Shonda was the writer of the 2002 film Crossroads starring Britney Spears. <laughs> Never forget. Which, you know, I think that, that's all we need to say. Yeah. yeah, that's a mic drop if I ever heard one. Yeah. This is true. Well, with that, speaking of streaming and things that we are thankful that are on streaming and somebody has not been told no yet, probably, Mandalorian is back. 
It sure is. How did you, I have questions about it, but I want to know how you two felt off the bat. Again, a reminder, spoilers, if you haven't seen the return of Mandalorian, I think it's chapter nine, stop now. Fully, fully enjoyed myself, uh, except for really devastated over the Bantha death. I, I, I thought there was a lot of Bantha death and that made me very sad each time. And they, uh, made sure to have these like establishing shots of these Banthas close-ups to establish the emotion behind it. It really hurt me, I will say. So I'm not sure I'm gonna rewatch this one much. One thing that came to mind as I was watching and, and you know, I think Jackie, we share some things here too, like not the biggest Boba Fett fan in the world. So I know, and of course we know that if he's coming, we, we all, we all, I think know he's in this and you know, mm -hmm. we saw here at the end, but it's something where it does feel a little fan servicey where it's like, okay, he became this like cult character that we just need. And then the prequels gave him more meaning to the stuff. And it's just like, oh, let's just keep on placating, you know, for this character. Totally fine. I am victim of, I love an Ewok. I love a pork. I love things. It's like if they made a thing and Ewoks appeared, I would be having a party. We still, so, this, I still don't understand that. That part to me, I, I remember you brought a friggin' Ewok to yeah. lunch with us once at like early on in knowing you at Comic-Con and it just sat in its own chair. And I was like, who, who is this? That is, that is wicked. And, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, but you know, with the way they kind of are setting up it seems like, oh, so this sand dragon clearly killed the Sarlacc, and I guess probably the victims got released from inside the Sarlacc. I'm guessing where they might be going with it, that's kind of cool. But I did feel from a storytelling perspective that the plot of the episode felt kind of weak and felt that it was just to set up the fact that Boba Fett is returning more than it was about some of that made sense for Din, this character, to be doing. Like, I got that he went there because he had heard tell that there was a Mandalorian there. But then he gets there and very quickly realizes that there is not a Mandalorian there and that it's Timothy Oliphant dressed in Boba Fett's armor. He doesn't know who Boba Fett is maybe, but you know, dressed in Mandalorian armor. And at that point, if you want the armor back, just take it, like just take it from him. But instead it's like, oh, well, I'll give it back to you if you help me beat this thing. So then he sticks around to help them beat this thing, but it didn't really progress his journey to get the, like, you know what I mean? To go through all that just to get this armor when you could have just overpowered this guy and taken the armor from him. So it felt a little, like, oh, let's write this in a way just to make sure we get an intro to Boba. Whereas the character, I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, can we get back to the story now? I loved the opening and I loved, I enjoyed the whole thing, but I just, I did feel that way. Jackie? Yeah, I mean, we watched it together. So we have very similar thoughts. So we happen to be in the same city for once. So I, I love the beginning. I thought that was really fun. I know it was spoiled already in the trailer, but I love when baby Yoda closes his little, or, you know, the child closes his little carrier mm -hmm. when he's in danger. I think that's really adorable. And it just makes me so happy. Yes. And I loved when he was on, like, I will say that, like, I watched the show for baby Yoda. So when he's on the speeder bike and his ears are flapping in the wind, <laughs> those are all highlights for me. Those are, you know, why I'm watching the show. I loved seeing Timothy Oliphant. I thought that was exciting. Uh, I also liked that the armor didn't fit him very well and didn't actually look very good on his body. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that sort of attention to detail uh, that the Mando armor is made for a certain person and it wouldn't fit anyone else the same way. I agree that the plot was weak and I also just don't really, I mean, I'm not much of a Western person, so I don't really understand the whole like, let's still live here despite the fact that everything is awful. Those decisions are always like crazy to me. So I wouldn't have bothered with this whole thing to kill this thing. I would have just moved. But I also felt 
you know, and, and Matt and I talked about this too, is it felt like the ending sequence, you know, this Bantha suddenly shows up with all this explosion uh, on it. Uh, and it doesn't, it wasn't a plan B because he acts like he's come up with it right in the moment. So why wouldn't you put all of the explosives into the ground if that was your big plan? It seemed like they were literally just doing it so they could set up a shot of Boba Fett flying out of a exploding dragon. Ando flying out. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, great. I mean, sure. It was a good shot. I appreciated that we did get to see some characters that we've seen before. One of my big problems with the first season was that we don't have enough crossover um, and that it's a little bit too side questy. So I was very excited that this season does seem to be living up to its promise of furthering the plot a little bit more. Like Matt mentioned, I, I hate the Boba Fett thing, or at least I hate the prequel thing where Boba Fett was suddenly all of the clone clones, or Jango Fett, I guess, was the clones. And it just felt like such a massive, ridiculous thing uh, for a character that had no screen time that we just suddenly decided we all loved. But like he said also, I am susceptible to those things. So I just happen not to have love for Boba Fett. We'll see how they how they make it work. I have like 20 million things to respond to both of you. So I, I, the first thing I thought when we saw Amy Sedaris's character again, I was like, oh good. To both of your point, we are getting to see characters who have been set up before that are not one off. I thought of all the characters to return to, she is an interesting one. She's not, she's a very sort of ancillary. Again, I think, I feel like the Mandalorian is just a glorified video game. And that's not a bad thing because I love video games. And I actually love that you can get really wrapped up in the plot and you are a participant in them. So I'm not saying it as an insult, but a lot of the elements really remind me of games. I'm like, oh, she's like the home base character who you like go to for upgrades, right? And she always has some like snippy dialogue and and that's that's just what she does. And that's her comedic relief moment. And so I was like, okay, she's returning. That's her role. Cool. The thing about the plan B and the explosives, I was like, why wasn't this plan A? Right. Like, why? It makes so much more sense. If, they're, if they've already set up this premise of we're trying to feed Banthas to him, why don't we just feed him the exploding Bantha? Like, I don't understand. To your point about why didn't they just move, that would, just, the whole Star Wars universe would disintegrate if that was the case, right? Because to quote the great Anakin Skywalker, I hate sand. And all these people live in these desolate sand, like terrible, terrible places. So real estate in the Star Wars universe must be pretty abysmal if everyone continues to live in these places. If anyone lives on Tatooine. Honestly, people live in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, that's true. It spends, you know, five months of the year, 120. So there's a, there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> and then the other thing about the armor, I also know, I love that it didn't fit as well. And I, I, at first, I thought it was a girl. I was like, I guess Timothy Oliphant is a little bit more svelte than the Pedro Pascal body. So I was like, is it a girl Boba Fett? Like, is it a girl Mandalorian? But it was not. It was Timothy Oliphant, who I thought was great. And then the, the other thing is, I feel like the whole side plot thing and it not really progressing the main plot stuff, that really is what happened season one as well, though. That is, I think, a valid point that has carried over in that, again, much like a video game, we're getting all of these side quests. And this was just another side quest where you stopped off in a town and decided that you're going to slay a dragon. And did either of you watch The Clone Wars? I've yeah, watched, I've, some of I've watched it. a lot of it, not the whole thing. Okay, I I watched bits and pieces, and the order is very confusing. Yeah. And so the whole Boba Fett thing, I got really excited just because there was. I mean, they set you up to get. I don't love Boba Fett either. I'm. I like the idea of it, but what it has become is, a, I think, like both of you more than I'm invested in. But I was still very excited because I was like, oh my god, a reveal, yay! 
And I was like, well, familiarity oh. is really fun and the little Easter eggs are always super fun. Yeah, but I was like, oh my God, what if it's not him? What if it's going to be like a clone of a whatever and a... Th- Captain Rex, though. That could be cool. See, I didn't even get far enough into it to know who that is. Captain Rex is in most of the episodes of Clone Wars. I didn't really pay attention to them. Oh. <laughs> so uh, part of it was I started with the wrong one. I started with episode one, according to Disney Plus, and then watched three of them and was like, I don't know what's going on here and found out that that's not canonical episode one. Yeah. And so I started off a little bit confused, but it seems like they're really trying to get us to watch Clone Wars. Like that, that to me is the takeaway from the season. And also calling back in the sort of recap to Giancarlo Esposito and his crazy lightsaber sword thing. I was like, I know this is a thing from Clone Wars. I know that whatever the dragon, the crate dragon, that seems like it's something from extended lore. And I'm like, oh, you were really trying to make me watch this other stuff, aren't well, you? And, and if Ashoka is really going to be in it, if, that, mm-hmm. you know, if that's really what's happening and things. And, you know, they did it even in, in Rogue, Rogue One. I don't know if that was Rebels or Clone Wars, but they they included characters in that that were from, so they've, they've kind of been doing that, you know, and I, it feels, yeah. it, you know, it, it'll work. I, it makes me kind of want to go back and go start from the beginning if you can find out where that is and just kind of dive back in and, there's I've lists online. A lot of it, but just, it's just annoying that you can't just autoplay. It's just weird. I mean, I think we talked about this. Literally, StarWars.com has the list in the order it's supposed to go. And it'll link you to the episodes, but God forbid you should be able to make a playlist on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, no, it's just awful. And yeah, it's, your point, I just hear your point about the video game thing, super, I, I never thought of it that way, and that's really, really accurate, actually, that it's like that. It's, it's like mission, if you will. Mm-hmm. For, it's like a chapter. It's literally a chapter, yeah. Yeah. I will say though, because I, I just rewatched season one last month, last month now that it's November, and totally loved it more than when I watched it the first time, actually, but watched it in one sitting and just totally fell in love with this show more. And the side mission thing, while the structure is very, very familiar and it, it felt very in line with that, it felt like the same exact show, I do feel that those missions, at least like most of them, are still for a purpose that is like he has to get more money for parts he has to go get his parts back he has to go do this the things that are actually like i need to do this to get from point a to point b at this point in my next part of this journey mm-hmm. so i would have appreciated i liked having timothy oliphant play the role he did in this but i almost would have appreciated if it was someone who knew quote unquote where this mythical mandalorian was and will help him go find this mandalorian if he helps him do this mm-hmm. like Make it so that I actually need to help you do this to get something that I need, not just to get this armor from you that I could just take. You know instead what I'm saying? Of, like, yeah, instead of murdering him as Jackie, you know, pointed out, which which murder, is fair, right? Like why? Murder him or could just not murder him. Could literally, you know. So knock him out. Too. Knock him out and take it. Like he could easily. <laughs> I feel like he has to be more skilled than this guy. And so it's just that kind of thing where it just felt a little soft there. And mm-hmm. that's really nitpicky. Because again, it was still entertaining. It didn't make me any less excited for the new season. I, I enjoyed every second of watching it aside from Bantha murders. But <laughs> I just had to like, in my mind, it just goes there. And I was like, oh, We've I got more, more. <laughs> yeah. you know. on a speed bike with his ears flapping in the wind. Yes. And also the spit bucket. And I was like, ew, but also adorable. Every time Baby Yoda came on, I perked up. I too watched the show for Baby Yoda. The Mandalorian stuff is a nice thing to have as well, but I'm more like, give me the baby. Right. <laughs> I would like to see the child. <laughs> like that is the number one gift I send out, I think. I mean, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's true. It, it brings my life 
enough happiness to to keep things going you know so <laughs> it's something that i think he's i think he she i don't know i know they call him he i guess we don't really know if he's gendered at all but that that little that little creature is what what keeps things going here <laughs> i don't understand how everyone else in the universe also seems to know it's a baby <laughs> like are you sure you want to do this in front of the kid and i'm like i know we know that it's a baby yeah. And, but in the beginning, it wasn't clear that, it, like, does everyone know? I, I, nobody seems to know what it is, and yet everyone has agreed that it is a child, but there are plenty of other small creatures in the universe who are right. fully <laughs> matured, you know? Nobody's ever seen anything like this alien species before. They never don't know what, but yeah, they're aware that. <laughs> They've all decided that it's the other, I can't remember if it was the episode prior. I, I rewatched parts of season one, and then I just kind of skipped ahead to the, the season finale from last season and then watched, went straight into the episode and at one point the um the armor in the season finale from last season is like oh yes you know there's an ancient ancient basically wizards or whatever you know she's talking about the jedi and acts as if it's been so long since they were in the cultural zeitgeist of whatever universe they're living in and then we get to this week's episode and amy sedaris is like thank the force and i'm like if you know what the force is how do you all not know what jedi are yeah, that was a little, that was a little something. And maybe I would, then I was like, well, maybe, maybe Tatooine is very aware of the force because they know about their history. <laughs> That's possible. Yeah. Maybe. But, but I thought that too, where I was like, hmm, like the whole Luke Skywalker saga with Darth Vader and all that going on. It wasn't super public knowledge. I don't think across the galaxy that like a Jedi was here and, and still around and, you know. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, I mean, most of the movies have some sort of like, oh, we thought that was myth. Oh, we didn't know. Mm -hmm. you know so. And then you need your Harrison Ford to show up and be like, it was all true. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> do we think it's actually Boba Fett or do we think it's going to be some weird clone scenario? Oh. Blah, 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 blah. I would love it if it was anything but Boba Fett, but it's definitely Boba Fett. It's hard to say because I actually would almost rather it be Boba Fett than go into some weird backstory on some clone from those prequels, honestly. Like, I didn't how and why it went rogue and why he's just decided to come here and, and want the armor. Because what's interesting, too, is I, when I had said to Jackie at first, I, when I was talking about how I thought the plot was a little weak about this armor, and she had brought up, well, you know, want him wanting the army might not be weak because you know it's like a religion to him the whole mandalorian thing takes it very seriously and mm -hmm. it's like this is actually really insulting this guy's wearing this armor you know at that point which so i'm fully behind yeah you want that armor but then what what came to mind i was like you know it makes me wonder boba fett obviously we only saw little bits of him in the films and we saw he was wearing his armor all the time but Django Fett, that man liked to take his helmet off in front of anybody he could. And so and then also decided to duplicate his face, like, making how many hundreds of thousands of clones. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was kind of interesting to almost explore. I wonder if it'll go into anything about just the differences between all of these Mandalorians we've met so far. It's this creed and it's, it almost is like a religion. It's mm -hmm. you know, a way of life that he clearly didn't care about, <laughs> which I thought I think is kind of interesting now that we're weaving this you know, into the story. Yeah. How do they sort of rectify whether or not... He's an agnostic, Mando. Yeah. But I feel like you can't be, right? That'd be like being like, I'm a member of the Catholic Church, but I don't believe in God, you know? Like. Yeah, that's, what, that's what it feels like. So, But what's interesting is we're using the same actor who played Jango Fett in The Clones. And I get it. You can be like, okay, Boba Fett grew up and looks just like his dad. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, he was a clone of him. Never mind. He was a clone. It was, was his own. Okay, I'm, then, then never mind. Because I was going to say, he look, it's like Boba Fett grew up and it's the same actor. But yeah, he is a clone, so it would make sense. I mean, for me, the big thing is, and I thought this when he got spat out of the dragon, you know, first we see this dragon throw up and then disintegrate people. Yeah. But his armor is not all Beskar seal, right? Like there are cloth bits of his armor. And so why weren't those just like holy and disintegrated? And he's just like sort of mildly slime covered. Yeah. 
so the idea that you know Boba Fett or whoever was in there could have survived, or that that armor survived also, I was just like, he wasn't completely covered. How could he survive unless it threw him up immediately after Jabba's barge left? Well, no, no, I'm sorry, he had to be in the Sarlacc pit the first. Sarlacc pit, but we don't right, know. But that means he had to survive the Sarlacc pit and then maybe the crate dragon. Like it just seems. My thought was because if I remember correctly, the Sarlacc pits when Jabba's describing is that I don't remember how many years it digests you, but a you're thousand. in there a thousand years, and you're inside. It's like it's like a, you're in there just being digested. So if this dragon went and destroyed the Sarlacc, we don't know necessarily that the pit that all of these people that are swallowed whole are sitting in being disintegrated in, these creatures or whoever it's Sarlacc's eating. I almost thought of it, maybe, maybe this is dumb, but I almost thought about this dragon going by and eating the beast that is the Sarlacc and then like exposing the pit that they're Like the in. Sarlacc's a giant and intestine basically and it was like- People can crawl out. Like even as dumb as that may sound, no, I, my mind saw it, but yeah, I don't know. The idea that even though it takes a thousand years to digest in the Sarlacc pit, my assumption is that very quickly you are going to start to be eaten away at, right? That you're not going to be like whole. And yes, we saw scars, we saw whatever, but just it just seems very far-fetched to me. Because even if it happened right away, then you're kind of like, well, then why didn't you just get back to work being a bounty hunter why are you here in hiding on Tatooine still right you know because he loves sand (laughs) you lose your armor so that's why I'm the most curious about is like why didn't you just return to civilization once you got freed yes Mm -hmm. we have questions and maybe we'll get answers (laughs) but see I you know we don't know enough right now to fully criticize they're clearly teasing him as a larger part of the whole narrative, so I'm hoping that we get some actual info. Yeah, I just feel like no matter what the answer is going to be, it's either going to be very far-fetched, which, again, this is a space fantasy. <laughs> you know, they have. I have to acknowledge that. Or it's going to be very complicated and very much asking us to watch the other shows. I, I really do feel like that that is truly the setup of this season because they're like, okay, well, what do we have a ton of on Disney Plus? Uh, Clone Wars. I heard that they were going to put Ahsoka. I don't know. Okay, no, yeah. they they are. She's yeah. it's Rosario yeah. Dawson. Right. That's yeah. right. I read that. Yeah. That's what. And I that's a, that's another thing where it's like you're going to have to really explain where she's been all this time and why Yoda and Ben Kenobi didn't know that she was still around and all these things. I guess while all that. I haven't watched the ending of Clone Wars, but I do know that she something happens. I'm a big her universe fan. The website so with the girls' clothing. And uh, Ashley Exon, who plays Ahsoka, the voice, yeah, on the Clone Wars, she's the one who started the website and does all this stuff. Anyway, there's a bunch of merchandise that says Ahsoka lives. So I have a feeling that it is left a little bit questioning. Yeah, it's her storyline is something I'm very interested in, and it was the reason I started watching Clone Wars before I really realized how much it's going to factor into this. And then I, it took so long to kind of get to her that I was like, okay. And I just also core and brain. And it's also, I think it is adult friendly, but it is definitely skews younger. And so watching too many of them in a row was like a little overwhelming to me. And the pacing is different. So the problem with I have is I actually looked up a list of like the best episodes and only watched those instead mm-hmm. of watching the whole thing. So I'm missing a ton of context, but then I only watched the ones that were more adulty and tied into more of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. I'm not super fond of like the filler episodes. Yeah, it felt like, especially in the early ones, there were a fair number of filler episodes. Yeah. You know, and not to totally digress here, but do we, do any of us here have an answer on the finality of Darth Maul's fate in the show? Do we know? He's in the show. Yeah, I know he's in it and I've seen him in it, but I never watched all the way through the end and I wondered if if he... He's a weird like spider thing. 
What? Yeah, I know he has the, the robot legs. Like his whole stuff. bottom half is like a spider. You have got to be kidding. Really? Like, Darth Maul survives being chopped in half? Did you see Solo? He's at the end of Solo. It's true. I forgot about that. I've purged that one from my brain. And, and we will always <laughs> disagree he, on this one. But this will the, be a... <laughs> he's got a robotic bottom half, yeah. Yeah, he's got a so robot like and so I find this so upsetting right now. But so there's a lot of rumor. We don't know, but you know, if they if Solo made the money they wanted and they went ahead with a sequel, sure. I think he was going to be in it a lot. But I also mm -hmm. I've heard rumor that potentially he might be in the Obi Wan series, oh, depending God. on the timeline for that. You know, I love Darth Maul. So again, if there's the fan service for you, where I'm like, whatever, bring him back. I don't care how. And so that's where I'm like hypocritical here with the Boba Fett thing because I'm like, give me Darth Maul all day every day. I don't know that he. I don't think he dies in the series. I don't so I, so I, then it made me wonder, I was like, I wonder if he's still around somewhere out there too. And it's just, it's interesting. I don't know. I just, I find it so absurd. And I realize that this criticism is sort of unfair given that Darth Vader is Roboman basically, you know, but the more characters that I'm like, how many characters can we have die and then actually not be dead? Because at a certain point, it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> well, never forget that now you can heal with the force. We, yes, yeah, this we've is learned, so we've learned. Maybe yes, self, maybe some self cartelizing. But it's food. it's very it's just so soap opera y, right? Where it's like unless you see the carcass, and then in, in our case, unless you see the force ghost, they're not actually dead. Hundred percent. It's it really is. It's very. It's honestly very comic booky, and mm -hmm. and it's something that doesn't really translate well when you're watching films or shows. Like it's just because you start. It needs to be a little more grounded in reality somehow and you're it, when you're watching something than when you're like looking at a comic book or you're like reading something it, it's different and it, it needs to be i mean better. it's my problem with a lot of comic book things anyway is that there's no real consequences mm -hmm. you can't really die and you don't believe the characters are ever really dead it's not there. It, it just it loses the emotional impact I was just gonna say there. I mean, there's a whole can of worms here about the sky, you know, the last Skywalker film, and I don't even want to go too much into it. But it was, it is one of those things where I'm like, or you have to have these super complicated explanations for them, right? If there is a great story motivation for some reason like that, then fine. But I feel like more often than not, some of these characters are being brought back because they're like, oh, we might some more toys, or we might do whatever, you know, not because. They're like, I have to have that character because they are the only possible character who could cause this and therefore that and drive our story forward. Well, and I think that's why, and we probably all agree with this, when we talk about new Star Wars in general, I think that's part of what started out as refreshing about Mandalorian and still hopefully will remain that way somewhat. But also talking about how I think we would all love if we got a Knights of the Old Republic, if they're actually going to do that movie series or if we're getting, because I'm ready to move away from all the stuff. It's like the familiarity, I get it. And it, it sells and, it, and people like little Easter eggs here and there. And it's a little like, ooh, moment, you know, and like every time they show like a Kowakian monkey in these series of, you know, Crumb, Jabba's mm -hmm. little, little annoying thing. I love him too. Surprise, surprise. That one I'm okay with. Every time you see him in the show, I'm just, you know, not him, but you know, one of those, even if they're eating him, it's so sad. But it's just a thing where I'm like, it's so fun. You see that and you're like, oh, yay. But it's something where you start to rely too much on that stuff. And they did that, I feel, a lot in the new trilogy. They started kind of going down that path a lot. And the more that you focus on that stuff, the less heart your actual story, I feel, it just has because you're just focusing too much on just fan services and just kind of making people like clap for moments that are like, oh, that's familiar. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Tell me. Like, I'm the fresher. Just there's so many people, aliens, there's so many entities in this galaxy they've created. You could do any plethora of stories that have nothing to do with Jedi. Even. Yeah, of course. You know? Well, even even if you did Jedi, it doesn't have to be about the Skywalkers. Of course. So that's what's frustrating. I mean, you know, not to, to harp on Rise of Skywalker, obviously, we don't have enough time. <laughs> um, 
for all of the rants I have for that movie. But it was essentially like, hey, I want to do this, this, and that, like, you know, these scenes that I want to do. And then they came up with reasons on how they can make that happen. Mm -hmm. They didn't come up with a story that made sense and then move from there. And I think that that's the problem exactly like Matt was talking about when you try to uh, shoehorn characters into stories where their time is up. Did I like seeing Lando? Sure. Was he necessary? No. Mm -hmm. Was that kind of silly he shows up? Yeah. I hope that if we do other series that we can kind of do the the Easter eggs, but keep them Easter eggs and not plot points. My initial excitement about Mandalorian was, I feel like we weren't given a choice in Boba Fett becoming an icon because it is literally before our generation, right? Like people just, Star Wars existed before we were born and people glommed onto it and it was cool and it was mysterious. And when I found out that they were making what I thought was going to be a Boba Fett show, I was like, oh no. But then when it became like, oh, it's about the sort of culture that I don't know anything about. I was like, this is great. I love this so much. It's something I sort of vaguely understand, but it's a whole backstory that you don't get any of that from the movie, just seeing this one dude in a helmet. But like, if we're going to explore this and you're going to be a whole new mythology, great. And I think that season one did a very good job of sticking to that. Yeah. And so I'm this, this whole, whoever we saw at the end of this episode makes me a little wary, but Mm -hmm. If we can find a way to progress the story of the Mandalorians, then okay, fine. Yeah, I had the same exact thought, I'm sure Jackie did too, that you just mentioned when I thought it was Boba Fett show. And then when it was Mandalorian, not with Boba Fett, I immediately was like, oh, wow, maybe this will make me like Boba Fett. <laughs> like I was excited because I, I don't like not liking things that everybody likes. I just, and I wouldn't dislike him. I just was like, why did, why is this the big, the big thing? Yeah. I always thought it happened later on that he just became like a, a cult thing. But no, I, I have these glasses that are from Burger King from 1983 that were my dad's. Like he collected and he gave them to me, the Star Wars ones. Mm -hmm. And the Empire Strikes Back, I have Empire and the Return of the Jedi sets. And the Empire set has an entire like kind of bounty hunter, like, like Darth Vader glass and Boba is like the biggest guy on there. So like he was used in marketing and advertising mm -hmm. when this movie was coming out. He's kind of porgs in that way, you know, where they were going and, you know, they've gone and gravitated toward the, let's just do the cute thing. Yeah. But I'm just saying like something that was a very minimal part of story. Like he, you know, he contributed of course, but has a few lines of dialogue, looks cool, but that's about it. And he, otherwise he just like stands around looking menacing and his armor's cool. I've never, never not thought that. I thought his ship is cool. Carbonite stuff's neat. Like <laughs> that so. was, that was the one thing in this episode that I was like, cause it, the armor that Timothy Oliphant is wearing, it's also very funny. I noticed we all say his name a little bit like the Oliphant from I Lord know. of the Rings. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but Timothy, Timothy Oliphant, or however you say his name, there was like a, a counter on it. You know, it was a little like kind of LED thing that I was like, okay, this is clearly newer technology than when they made the original one. And does this mean that this is just them going like, let's just pretend that this was, this is what the intention of the original design was and we are actually executing on it? Or it is this up. contributing to the idea that it's not actually Boba Fett? This might be me just be reading into too much no, into that's stuff. Or Timothy could have added things, you guys. We don't yeah. know how long he's had it. No, for sure. But uh, it's, it's interesting because yeah. his suit was obviously a lot more low budget back then. So yeah. when actually making it, so it's, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm overall, I'm still hopeful and excited. I knew he was going to be in it. And so I got to say that my little thought about how they said the dragon destroyed the Sarlacc and thinking, picturing this pit of just disintegrating people down there and him climbing out, you know, <laughs> the way it works out in my head as, as dumb as it could be. It made me happier than I thought. 
<laughs> like to think like, oh, okay, I could buy that, I guess. Like, you know, I still don't know why he'd stay there and hopefully we'll get a good explanation. But any version of him not, or any version of him surviving that I had concocted in my head until this day was a lot dumber. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, if we have to have it, then cool. Yep. It still was a really well done, well shot, well acted. Everything was, it felt exactly like the first season in so many ways. And I was like, I, I love it. Just, you know, so I'm excited. Also, I love the practical bonthas. I was just like, uh, the, when he's brushing the teeth, I was like, there's no reason for the shot aside from to show off the puppet. And I love it. And if they're not practical, good on them. Those were amazing. But that was part of the problem. That first one, he was like the, the cow at the water hole, basically in the little town. And it showed his eye close up. And we all were, I was just like, Oh wow, that looks amazing! It looks like a real cow. Like I like, you know, <laughs> it's so cool. I think there were even little things buzzing around. It just was like, and of course, when I realized, oh, he's about to get eaten, it was just like you just made me connect with the thing. And then <laughs> I'm still, I still have scars about the little like fish lizard things getting eaten by those flying things in like episode nine less or eight less season or something. Oh, you are. I feel like you're going to be in for. It hurts my feelings. A rough. So sad. I'm How dare just, they? I'm the one who watches a war movie and, and gets emotional when the horses are falling down. I, oh God, I, <laughs> I hope you did not see War Horse then. <laughs> well, I did. I actually laughed at that one because I thought it was so bad. But, oh, that's, a, that's but, unexpected. But yes, I, I, it was very expected. Like, the horse even ran through barbed wire and fell down and I still was like, because at that point I was just so done with the movie. But yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm that person. So... <laughs> Well, I think, I think we're all excited. I think we had high expectations. And for me, at least, I was like, okay, I'm right back in it. Like, thank God. I didn't feel let down. I didn't. Yeah. Criticisms and all, I didn't feel let down. No, I mean, I can't help myself criticizing things, but I, I, I enjoyed it fully. Had a good time. Absolutely. We stayed at like 1.30 in the morning waiting for it to drop because annoyingly, Matt and I's accounts didn't get it. And oh. everyone else has seen to. It's like we had to wait forever. It's like, because I guess that, and my guess is that Disney's just, rolls it out in in like wave so that they don't have like an app crash or something i don't know mm. but i don't know that could who knows but i'm just like i know last year when it when the first one came out i was in prague for work and i waited until midnight our time here with my mm. account logging in to get it and watch it and it was right away so i thought this time be right away we didn't get to start until like 12 45. i am admittedly not a night owl and so i just like i was like i'm gonna wake up early for this because I, I thought about setting an alarm, but I was like, no, I'll be groggy and like grumpy. And so I was just like, I will just wake up very early and yeah. then was like, must watch before going on internet. Don't open anything. Just watch, just watch. And I will say people were, people were pretty good. I felt like about not. I saw people like checking in, watching it, but I didn't see anyone say anything personally that was crazy or, you know. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see anything even relating to the, the cameo or whatever, the appearance at the end until sure. I would say like a good day later. But that's my, but that's always my fear. I have this habit of waking up at five in the morning, groggy and like rolling over and I'll just like look at my phone and every now and then I'll go on a social media account, whatever. And I wouldn't even be thinking yeah. about it. And then you could just see something, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, I, I, that's my big irrational fear. But, um, but yeah, I agree. I didn't see a lot of spoilery stuff at all, which is great. We are going to take a quick break and be right back. It was nice to get back to, or to have something new come back here. That's like an episodic watch again, that's weekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, you know, we obviously binge something else, but this was something that was, it's nice to just have something to look forward to every week. I, I enjoy a weekly now. Um, I, I do too. I, it helps me, one, keep track of time, <laughs> just something I'm struggling with. And and two, I, I think it does help me appreciate story more in that it gives me time to digest and 
I, you know, uh, going back to Scandal, it's a show that I binged several seasons of to start, which is also why I was like, I have to stop because I was getting so wrapped up in it. And I forget what happens. Yeah. And not that I don't forget between weeks this time, but at least I can be like, oh, I'm just going to go back and watch and like figure yeah. out what's, what's going on. But I feel like when I watch shows very quickly, I will forget. Yeah, I was gonna say something that we talked about. I think I mean, Jackie, I have is we that you know when you watch something that's a binge of some anything, you you're watching it as if you're watching a full movie here, like right, like one movie that happens to be ten hours long or four hours yeah. long or however long the binge is, and you're bound to start kind of zoning out at parts here and there. Anyone can stay focused for forty five minutes to an hour, but when you're like four hours into something as much as you're loving it, you're going to look at your phone. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to be doing things. And I think that, yeah, it starts to, it all just fits. You see the full narrative, but the little pieces all in between, you can easily kind of gloss over because your brain can only like ingest so much. I feel like that you're paying full attention to, you know what I mean? In one sitting. So I think that there's something to it. I swear. And like the episodic, yeah, you can kind of, you, you marinate in it. You talk about it like we are then going into the next episode, you're, you're fully like ready. Well, it's, the, it's, it's the fandom piece that I enjoy. I love discussing it with people week over week and, you know, being able to theorize and, and, and stuff, which I don't do when I binge something. Cause I know I'm just going to sit there until I figure out what happened. This is a hilarious segue because the other thing we watched this week, I at least pretty much binged in, I, I had to do it in two sittings cause I started watching it on a Friday night. And then I was like, I, again, I mentioned, I don't, I'm not good at staying up late. And so I was like, okay, just, screw it. I'll, I'll just watch in the morning. And then I watched all the rest of them. And there's the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. I watched, I mean, I had to watch it in two sittings, but, or three maybe. I don't yeah. remember. But, but it's I, something I thoroughly enjoyed binging. Like I, I wanted more every episode. I was like, okay, what happens next? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I would say, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I would say the first couple episodes didn't hook me as well. I wasn't quite as interested in her childhood. Like I liked that it started off with her in that hotel room in Paris, wasty face, mm-hmm. um, and have seen me get somewhere. And I just wanted to go back there and figure out, you know, and that's why we kept watching, of course. But I think we spent, for me, a little more too much time in the orphanage. But after that, I was, I was totally in. Yeah, I much, much to my surprise, or like very much just liked the show. Mm-hmm. I was very, but I, I really expected, I started it a few days later than most people that I know of who are watching it. And people are like blown away by the show. And I thought it was really well done, like really well acted, really. But somehow it, the whole thing didn't capture me quite enough to be like, this is something that I just have to have. I got through it easily mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it, but I didn't, I kind of felt like, oh, okay. Like, I, I don't know. And I'm like, I'm like, oh God, what's wrong with me? Because I haven't heard a negative thing about the show and I don't really have negative things to say about it, but I don't have anything uh, overwhelmingly like, I'm not like astonished by it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's this, it's interesting. And so I'm very curious. I want to know more about like the things that are grabbing people. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to grapple with what it was that was missing for me, if anything. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm really curious in your perspective from the flip side, because I, somebody else texted me about it because I, you know, it's like, oh, I, li- I really enjoy the show. And they, their response was also meh. Oh, really? Yeah. And I don't think there's a problem with that. But I also am having trouble articulating what it was about the show that really grabbed me. And I think part of it was, I think it was well paced in that it was Mm self-contained. I think any, and I can acknowledge that the first few episodes might have been a little slow, but any more than seven episodes, which is seven episodes, would have been too much. And I feel like for me, at least, any less was like, okay, well, this, it wrapped up very nicely for me. I think the other thing is I enjoy that it has a female protagonist who is very talented and who 
is unapologetic for being talented. I think we've probably seen chess prodigy stories about men more often than not. And so to have it be, I was, I, I didn't know what it was based on. I didn't know if it was real or no. I was pretty sure it wasn't, but I was like, I really wish this person existed. I know I did too. I had to look it up. I, I know like, I looked it up at the end and I was like, oh. It was like, is this a real person that I've just never heard of? Because that makes me sad, but it's not. It's a fictional character. I really enjoyed her. I like how flawed she was, but how like also, like you said, unapologetic about how talented she was. I just had a really good time. I don't know. I mean, I liked how much they respected her, her peers. I, you know, there was a little bit of sexism in the beginning when she was trying to sign up for that like first contest mm -hmm. um, or they're like, oh, we don't have a girl's section. What are we going to do? And she was just like, is it against the rules for me to do normal? And, and they're like, you know, I guess not, but you're wasting your money. And then of course she wins. Um, which was fun. But I do like, like, especially the last episode, you know, I got like happy tears, you know, when she was, when she finally beat Gorgoff, you know, and he smiles at her and he gives her the queen and, and says, this piece is yours. I thought, I, I don't know. I really like that. Yeah. I liked, I liked the way it ended. I, I think I, the only thing I could, I could come to terms with in my mind about why, what was like missing for me that was, I wasn't totally grabbing me is I am not big into competition things in general. Like as far as like, sport whether it's a sport i could never imagine i was kind of sitting there being like well people really gather around and watch people play chess like like i was like i was nerds kind of, yeah like oh my you know but you know no judgment but i just like it just would not register something that i would ever do personally and i don't i've never been an athlete myself or been a i don't like competition participating in competition very much i can watch a, a game show i guess but i don't know it's weird i, I started thinking well maybe it's just that i don't I didn't really care all that much if she won. I cared for her. I wanted her to be happy that she, that, you know, I wanted her to get what she wanted because I liked her. But this, the stakes as far as watching these really that I imagine were probably pretty nail biting or kind of like, you know, intense kind of watching these rounds go back and forth as, as she's playing with these different guys uh, and some couple girls, I think were one girl at least, but playing with the different people uh, doing the chess. I imagine that for for a lot of viewers, it was it was something where it was like you're kind of like oh, okay okay and you're you know you're into it. It was intense, and I and I guess I didn't really care about those as much. And I was wanting to get more back to like the personal story and and what in her life and this and that. And something that kind of struck me was when she was talking to the little kid who wants to be in three years the champion, and she was like, well then what are you gonna do the rest of your life? And he didn't have an answer for it. And I kind of thought, and maybe we, it was supposed to land really heavily, but after this ended i was like well is, is she asking herself that question because like where do you go from here like what is she going to do now that she did that is she going to continue on trying to keep the record but it didn't feel like her personal life had a real solution because she was still in the last episode talking about how she needed slash wanted you know the pills and the alcohol and all this stuff and then getting that call from her counterparts and the you know the motivation and oh tactics about how to beat gorbob and all this stuff was cool and uplifting, but then I kind of felt like we were leaving her in a place that felt a little unresolved for me. Like she won, but but what else, you know? I mean, I, I agree, but I think that there was like a very intense theme of being stuck, especially women um, being stuck in these positions that they aren't able to get out of. Her mother trying to kill her is what, I mean, I think that's what we're supposed to gather from what happened. Yeah, the car. Mom, mm -hmm. was gonna kill herself. Um, was hoping to give her to her father. And then the father obviously did not allow that to happen. And so she just told her to close her eyes so that she wouldn't know what happened. Mm -hmm. And then of course she's adopted, you know, by a woman who is clearly stuck and unhappy, but unable to sort of get out of it or have anywhere to go. 
And I think that she was worried about that and is worried about getting to a place where she's stuck. She has all this talent and all this ability that lots of women in her position don't have in her station or whatever. But I, I don't know. I saw that I saw that as a pretty big theme um, of her trying to not be that. And so yeah. she was sort of falling into it with the drugs and alcohol sort of fell into patterns that were shown to her by her adoptive mother well and fed to her by the orphanage which was that was such a weird yeah yeah it's bizarre i wanted to look that up and see what really happens it must (laughs) have right like you don't know where they came from that well because all of a sudden it was against the law right it wouldn't have surprised me honestly so i was like wow i wonder i guess that must have been true so i do yeah and i think she also was very worried that she was crazy having known that her mother was crazy. And so she was sort of using drugs and alcohol to sort of mask that. Yeah, I can appreciate the perspective. And I and I definitely agreed and, and I, on that stuff. And, and I, I totally felt why she was using and why she was where she was. And like, I guess the desire to prove herself, because even at a younger age, like everyone was like, well, you can't do that. Like, you know, it was very, you can't, you can't, yes, I can. And I, and I appreciate that and I like that. But when I'm looking at it from the competition standpoint, mirroring the personal life, I guess I I didn't feel that winning it made me feel by the end that like personal life was really just going to be okay after that. Because oh, it's- no, I don't believe. No. I don't think it was supposed to though. And and for me as a highly competitive person, no. I very much related to her drive. Right? I was like, oh, I I get you. Like you. I was about to sing the Pokemon theme. You want to be the very best, like no one ever was. I got where she was coming from in that sense, and that basically society is aimed against her, right? It's something that I very much still relate to today, I think, right? That glass ceiling, that idea of being told that you are not equal, even if you know, if you empirically are showing that, you, hey, you have the same skill set, you are better than. But, and I, I don't think it focused too much on that, which was nice actually, right? Like that was one of the nice things about her peers is that they did end up respecting her. They weren't like, oh, you're a girl, you can't do that. By the time she showed that she was really good at it, it was just, they treated her like any other chess player. Perfect sense, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that also is something that was appealing to me as a viewer where I was like, that, I want that, <laughs> you know? I want, I want that level of equality, please, that, yeah. that. And then the the drugs and alcohol thing, for me, it was an interesting kind of study in self-medication of, I feel like she was probably someone who is not neurotypical and that was her way of, you know, pre any sort of diagnosis of some sort of something that the the sedatives were a way for her actually to like normalize her chemistry. You know, I'm not promoting that, but I was like, oh, I get, I get, I get a lot of the stuff All that right. was being laid out. And I, I just thought it did it in a way that wasn't too over the head sure. or beat you over the head. It, it wasn't perfect for sure. Oh. No, it wasn't perfect. I, um, I can understand like if you don't enjoy watching competition then or relate to that, that it wouldn't be very, those, at least that scene, those scenes wouldn't be very interesting. Mm-hmm. And her personal life, we got to see a decent chunk of it, but it wasn't really the core of the story, right? So I can understand feeling sort of like- It's a separation for me, as I think I wanted that to be more paramount than yeah. the actual competition aspect. And, and that's and that's more of a reflection on me, I think, as we're getting to here, that like as someone who, I don't like comp- competing myself, so it's a thing where it's hard for me to relate to that, that being such an important desire, I guess. And I look at something where, and I, I don't, it doesn't, it's not so similar that it should come to mind, but when I think of movies, that comes to mind where it's kind of about you know exploring your passion and and just trying to and competing in a sense. I go to Black Swan because I I was I, just I, I was like he's gonna say Black Swan. I, I, have, 
Well, I, I mean, I am obsessed with Black Swan. And, and when I look at that, it's something where obviously I like watching the ballet in it, but it's not about ballet. It's about her descent into madness, which again, that's not a story we necessarily need again. Mm-hmm. But I just mean, it's something where I almost feel like the entertainment value would be there more for me if we were watching more of a darker unraveling or upraveling, I guess, like whether she's <laughs> fail or, or totally not fail, more weight on the personal because so much crap had happened to her. She had such a unconventional, not cool, you know, childhood upbringing and things like that, that I appreciate the perspective that chess is something that she pours herself into and it's kind of like her like sanity place, if you will, kind of her happy, you know, wh- where she has control over something and she's looking at the board and she's like, I can do this and I'm good at this and you excel at it. And so that's where kind of the black swan kind of came where it was like all of her personal value in that film was coming from the fact that she was trying to be the best ballerina. And if she wasn't, then she was worthless. Mm-hmm. And not that that's a message we need to be sending again. Or we, you know, I think that that's what it was, is that dram- dramatic factor was something that I just, as a viewer would have found more entertaining since I'm not relating to the, the desire to just win part of it. Or, you know, to prove that to yourself, not just win, but, you know. I like the winning. Yeah. Well, you're also a record-setting Paralympian. So. Yeah, I was like, yeah, so Jackie, like, Jackie's like team com- competitor as well. <laughs> of three of us, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so I have a question about the, the person who I was chatting with is about, brought up, they felt it was very male gaze-y, and that is not something I actually agree with necessarily. I really disagree. That's so interesting. Yeah. I understand that, like, she was like peeping Tom on a couple of instances where, you know, women are getting kind of groped. But I thought that was more of a, a curiosity. And like, you know, yeah, remember, I thought that was her road to discovery because she didn't have any other. I remember being a young girl and being very curious about that stuff. And just like men are, you know. So yeah, I wouldn't have said it was male gazing to me. Yeah. And then her first sexual experience being very about her kind of being like, okay, what? And then finally having sex that she appreciated and was like, oh, so that's what that's supposed to feel like. You know, yeah. like I, that was very, to me, kind of like we're actually caring about what the woman's getting out of this instead of. Yeah. I mean, in all of those situations, which is wonderful to see. You know, she made all the choices. When you say that, I didn't necessarily th- feel that way either, but I think I, I looked on IMDb and I was looking at, because I, I, I think I looked into it because I was wondering, is this a true story? Is this a real person? And I happened to see that it was largely a male creative team. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I did see that. And I was a little disappointed that it was mostly male creative team. But... Disappointed, but also bravo to them. You know, like we want more inclusion, but if mm-hmm. males are going to be doing something, it's nice to have a product, I guess, that it translates this well, where you would have, if you looked and saw that it was all females or, you know, women, you would have thought, oh, great. You know, like it didn't feel yeah. like yeah, no, I, women. So that's good. But yeah. I, nice. I agree. And I think actually a lot of the things that I admired about the character and admire about are things that are traditionally considered masculine. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's her again, unapologetic competitive nature. It's that she is being recognized in a way that traditionally men like don't have to quantify or justify their success or talent levels. They don't have to downplay it at all. It's just like, oh yes, empirically she is this good. The funny thing to me about her relation, her um, romantic relationships is I was just like, girl, you're too good for that. (laughs) And the other experience on that. See, this is what I always thought she was sort of a scientist. And the thing is, is like, I always thought of her A as neuroatypical, but that she was just sort of thinking about things and being like, well, this is what everyone else does. Yeah. Let me try it and see what happens. And she so she kept trying it, but, you know, with mixed results, of course. But the, the, the too good for them part was one I was like, well, they're not your intellectual equals. And we literally know that because you are both ranked in this sport that you are, you know, considered 
there's a one-to-one ability to compare. And two, I, this is taking the, the show out of it. I was just like, oh my God, it's the kid from Harry Potter and it's the kid from Love Actually. In my brain, they will always be those people. And I'm so sorry to them because they are both having- The Love Actually guy, like he did, he's not a bad actor in any way, shape or form or anything, but I don't buy him as this weird- yeah. Crocodile Dundee-esque, <laughs> like, bit. yeah. It was like, he's a nerd. He's always going to be a nerd. They were trying to make him, I don't know. Well, I remember when looking at him too and like in his in his outfit and the, I think he had the mustache going on and stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember looking at him being, it kind of was giving me Timmy, Timothy Oliphant in the Boba Fett outfit. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, this is dress up. Like, I don't think, like, you, didn't, you don't look like this. And, you know, he didn't look like a, like a man. Right, in some ways, you know, he's yeah. the kid who wants to be the cool kid. That, yeah. that is, I, I was, the only way I could like allow myself to watch, I was like, this has to be a character choice where it's that. He wants to. Yeah, the 100% high school nerd who's like, I carry a knife. I think they address it, right? It's like to protect her. yourself from what? So I was right. like, oh, okay. I know that. I've met that kid. I've seen that kid at cons. You know, I get, I get it. You front in. Well, and yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you said that because the Harry Potter kid, I was, I was literally saying to Jackie over the weekend, I was like, every, I can't avoid Deadly Dursley. Like everything I want. He's, <laughs> he's having a great Netflix resurgence. And he's a good actor. I got to say, he's not bad. But yeah, he was in His Dark Materials that aired last year. And then he was in The Devil All the Time. And I swear something else. And then now this, I was like, everything I'm watching, Dudley Dursley's popping up, but I hadn't seen him. The Old Guard. He's in The Old Guard. The Old Guard. And I was like, I have not seen this kid since Harry Potter. So I just, it's funny, but good for him, you know, getting the resurgence here. But, and I do think he is a good actor. He's And so I'm curious, but it's just, it's funny. I think he did a good job, especially when he's trying to pour his heart out to her. And she's just like... You know? Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought the casting was great, but just this is it's not his fault. But in my yeah. mind, I was just like Dudley. Yeah, Dudley. There's Dudley. Dudley. Yeah, and it's, it's more it's more so with the other kid actually, because I'm. Yeah. Again, it's not their fault that my first impression of them is them as children, right? Like, good for them for still being in the acting game. But I'm just like, I cannot see you as any sort of romantic creatures. Like, you will always be children to me. It comes with the territory, though. So, like, it's not that we would blame them for taking those roles and everything and not and ever say they shouldn't act now, but it comes with it. I mean, there's a reason that Emma Watson, every Harry Potter film, had to renegotiate her contract and always didn't, always talks about potentially if it wasn't the right fit, stepping away from the role because she didn't want to just be known forever as Hermione Granger. She kind of is. She's done a lot more stuff since and tries the this and that and everything, but you know, you, you just see someone in, in these roles that have become kind of, you know, cultural, you know, milestones in a way. And it's hard to separate it. You see them, and you're like, oh, there you, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, just the way it is. And, and I think, you know, they'll, they'll overcome it. You know, like Natalie, Natalie has overcome it. I don't think everyone just sees, you know, Leon the professional, but obviously I was too young when that came out to have made that association when it came out. But I think well, she's transcended, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, that didn't go on for or like 10 years or anything though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that's true. Although that, I mean, the Love Actually kid was just in one thing. <laughs> right, that's right. And I struggled with him more. I was <laughs> just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, that was more in reference to Love Actually because every time I've seen him since then, and I don't even like Love Actually, I know that's, I know, I just don't like you it. And he, but I always think of the movie with him too. Like, you know, and that's coming from someone who's seen it, what, three times maybe? And so, and I still think of that too. So it's funny. I thought Anya uh, Taylor Joy was was really really great in it. I think she's pretty great in most things I see her in. But I thought she was really great. Yeah, I, I and it's funny. I she is somebody who also is young, and mm-hmm. is about that age. But I I didn't see The Witch because it's a scary movie. But I did see her, and she was like a, a teenage. I saw her in Thoroughbreds. Is I think is the first time I saw her, yeah. and she was great in that. But she's playing a high schooler, 
but in my mind, she is an adult and, or like a young adult, as opposed to these other guys who are fully grown adults at this point. But <laughs> I'm just like, no, you're children. I'm sorry. <laughs> like a small, small child, but she, cause she was also a teenager in Split, the follow-up to. I actually saw that, but I didn't see it until much, much later. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was one of the girls. Yeah. That was in that. And of but, course, New Mutants, our favorite film of the year. <laughs> Magaliana in that. And, and didn't she just get cast as Furiosa. For yeah, her. she's going to be young Furiosa. But she's taken off, and I, I think, you know, I think she's good, but we'll see. I think she did great. I, yeah. Yeah. I thought she carried it. You know, she, I mean. Yeah, she had to, but she did. She carried, but yeah. she carried it. I, you know, she, she kept me more engaged, I guess, since, since I was not as engaged in the full story of things, a lot of, for some of it, she kept me engaged more than anything. So, you know, give her kudos. But I, I, yeah, I did. I came, I thought it was good. I would, I would recommend it to anybody who was interested in it, even remotely. I think part of the appeal for me is like, I saw it and I was like, oh, this looks pretty interesting. Fine, whatever. But I, I didn't have too high of expectations going into it. And then suddenly be like, oh my God, I'm going to watch seven hours about technically chess. Chess, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, listen, like, I got to say, it's like, I've said this before, I think on this podcast about documentaries and it's like, it, not that this is a documentary, but the subject matter is often really just secondary to the, the storyline and the style of what you're making. And it's, you know, one of my favorite documentaries was called Wordplay and it was about crossword puzzles. Um, how dare you? I love crossword puzzles, but yes, I also love word puzzles. I mean, like, yeah, it's a great documentary. Do them. It's like, what? But I loved that documentary and it just because it just made me care so deeply about these people that it mattered to me who was the best at doing crossword puzzles. <laughs> You know what I mean? So if you do it in a really effective way, it, you know, the subject matter can really be anything, I guess, you know? Yeah, I always yeah. like getting glimpses into worlds that I don't know. So yeah. um, I did appreciate seeing this like competition version of chess that I have no understanding of. It was so and interesting. I appreciate that we were taken into the world with her yeah. and she didn't really know anything either. She just knew she liked to play chess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that she was good at it. But, but she very... Good often had no idea what she you know was going on i thought it was even funny that she finally won the national championship and she didn't realize that that made her available for the russian invitational i think jackie you said earlier scientific and like that was kind of her approach to stuff and i actually really like that because there was a moment that stood out to me when she's like it's like the little kid version of her and she so, something happens in the game and and she goes like what do you mean what do you mean you, you can't do that I didn't know you were allowed to do that, you know, that sort of stuff. And her just having to absorb all of these new rules, essentially, that govern life. And I feel like there were lots of nice parallels between her discovering the rules of chess and getting better at that. And then her discovering the rules of sort of social life, right? Like the whole like, oh, okay, this is how, you know, people in couples interact. And and this is how, you know, we're expected to do all these things. I, I liked that, what, her viewpoint of the world. I thought that was a little different. And especially it, it being a woman having that. Yeah. In chess, especially everything's transactional, you know? Yeah. I loved watching her go to that apple pie meeting and figure Oh my out. God, yes. And she was just kind of like, yeah, I'm not into this. <laughs> and then got up and left. I was like, yes. Out. She's like, she's like, sure, I'll try to be, no, I don't, I don't want to be part of this. Maybe, maybe for me, some of the appeal was a little bit of wish fulfillment, right? And that I wish I could get away with being that forward about things. Cause I'm very forward about many things, but it comes to bite back to bite me usually, as opposed to her <laughs> who just was like coasting through. <laughs> she, yeah. she said what she wanted to say. She did what she wanted to do. And it was like, all right. Yeah. yeah. It was great to watch a woman be able to do that. Yeah. I think, I think with her character, with, with, 
everything from her past and you know we mentioned already the parents and then I, I think she kind of developed this this personality where it, it wasn't not that she didn't care about other people of course she did but what disappointing other people was not uh, at the forefront of her mind <laughs> being like something she's worried about and we could all probably be a little more like that in a lot of ways where you kind of hold yourself back from things because you're worried you're gonna like disappoint somebody else or something and it's like that was that was cool to see and like especially yeah from a woman yeah i think that because she was an orphan and then her adoptive mother didn't really want her for a while um eventually just decided yeah i can be a mother <laughs> i think it did set her up up to, you know, be able to be independent and not need the approval of, of others. Mm-hmm. Um, when I really liked the way that they went with that, because obvi- usually with that sort of trauma, they try to make those people real people pleasers and like, like needing the approval of everyone. Mm-hmm. And so it was nice to see a story where someone goes the opposite direction, having experienced what she experienced and sort of is like, I'm not sure. I don't think it matters what you think because no one's ever cared. Yeah. Yeah. You could see how you could get to either place, but it was yeah. nice. usually, you see the other you usually go the other needy direction. And it was nice to see a woman who wasn't needy and was sort of just doing what she wanted to do. Yeah. I think there were a lot of cliches that yes, it did play into, but there were a lot of moments where I was like, oh no, it's going to do this. And then it didn't. And I think the the very last one for me was at the very end, you know, she gets on this phone call and suddenly all of everyone from her past is there guiding her through this chess game. And I was like, oh no, because to me, what I, my, I was afraid that they were going to say is basically she needed a room full of men to help her figure out how to win the game. And well, I was getting a little Disney in that moment. Right. And, and I was like, yes, there could be pair. It doesn't have to be about a room full of men. It's that, oh, she needs other people. And that, you know, the group is embracing other being standoffish or a lone wolf is not as strong as being a part of a pack. That was a weird, weird analogy, but I'm going with it. But I love that at the very end, then it was like, just kidding. None of the stuff that they had planned worked. 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 And yeah. so she had to rely on herself at the end. <laughs> Maybe this is and a very sad, like, no, oh, you can only that. rely on yourself mentality. But that I was like, yes, you did no, it. But that she solved it herself. And that it really is about her skill and her talent more than anything else. And well, then she knows she can the, trust it without drugs, right? Mm-hmm. She, so she can yeah. get to that place without the drugs. She was right. able to visualize it. And getting the support was cool and meaningful. And yeah, it's a whole bunch of men, but it's also kind of cool when you think about it being a lot of the men that she stepped on or stepped over by beating them to, to get yeah. to where she's at and they're all rooting her on. You know, that was kind of, that was cool when you consider that's who those men are or some of them are, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the whole with you, yeah. romantic relationships with some of them sort of complicated it, but also keeping in mind that this is a story written by a man and this version of it was told by men that they didn't try and change it. I, I don't know if that's the same way it happens in the book. The fact that they didn't end up having her rely on that. I was like, oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah, no, that was a big relief. I will say it was funny. The guy that she first crushed on, who she found out was gay. Was he? I couldn't. They were like flirting with that, but I was like, he said, said, oh, I was just, I was experimenting at the time. I might have glossed over, but I I, I got that vibe too. But I thought, and then because then she was like crushed and was like, oh, and then like cut it off, right? And you see him there at the end and they have a little conversation. I liked him, but then you have the conversation and he was just like, yeah you know, I was hoping to have a friendship with you and then you kind of, you broke my heart. And I was just like, 
you were, I, I remember the scene and I was like, you were very much coming on to her. Like it was, I thought, and it was very, and then it was like, oh, bomb drop. He's actually with this guy potentially. And I was like, but that's not how I treat people. I just want to be friends with. So, so I didn't, yeah. like, I, didn't I mean, it, it's hard, whatever, but I didn't like him putting on her that like she broke his heart because I was like, no, you were being messy. Exactly. 100%, 100%, 100%, like mixed signals. Nothing, if anything. So like, you need to like, let's take the guilt away from there. But he ended up, he was super supportive and it was fine. But I, the line bugged me because I was like. Yeah, mm. it did. I did enjoy though that they didn't get together at that point. Sure, <laughs> sure. Me too. I, I was it. I was unclear though on what had happened there. And maybe that's the point. Yeah. Maybe we're not supposed to understand, but I was like, we're setting up one thing and then we've just sort of what? It just kind of didn't go anywhere, but yeah. I actually kind of like that because in real life that happens. You get these weird mixed signals from this one person who you sort of think about for a while and and whatever, but you never get resolution on it. Right, True. right. And she was someone who thinking of things transactionally in a way, but you know, she she was someone who that didn't go the way she wanted or thought it was maybe going and and felt like, okay, cool, and then just moved on. Like Yeah, it, I don't even think it's about kind of just I think want is part of it, but I think she's a character who when confronted with 100% of the information can function, but that was like unclear information. And so she's just like, it's a short circuit. And I very much relate to that too. I'm like, yes, give me all the info. I can't function if you don't tell me all the things. <laughs> but I, I liked this character overall. It was just that one line was a little like, I was there. I remember you, <laughs> you definitely, you made her, because I thought you were going to go for it. So I think she did too, you know, so it was. Yeah. Well, he asked her back to the room to take pictures. Yeah. Well, and, they, and he like touched her face a little, if I remember, but they're very close. It was just very yeah. kind of like, this is going romance a little bit. And then it was like, wait a second. So I don't know, but you know, it is what it is. It was a minor, minor little thing, but, but yeah, he was good too. I'd, I'd never seen him before. I don't think, I mean, everyone was good performances. Yeah. I love, aside from, you know, the, the guys that we've seen from Love Actually and Harry Potter and, and Anya, of course, I, I do love a show that I, first of all, didn't even know it was happening, that it was happening, you know, and mm -hmm. like, just discovering something that a lot new talent to me new you know I like seeing new people kind of yes. come out of the woodwork here and, and it's it's fun because then you get to discover new people that are going to do hopefully more things. And I also really liked her friend and I thought that was a nice touch to have I, I talk going back to the sort of like gender dynamics that it was a woman who gave her the money to go to this tournament. I loved that. I love that she acknowledged that they were sisters and and you know they should be there for each other and yeah, that those those scenes were a little uh, scenery chewy. -y. Like those were probably the least nuanced scenes. But I was like, all right, fine, whatever. Like, I like this. I was into it. So it was I, I liked them. I absolutely liked them. But I was like, these are mon. These are written monologues. You know, these oh, are. Okay. But it was nice. It was nice. It was a nice relief for the character anyway to be able to see that she did have somewhat of a constant in her mm -hmm. life. And I love that she didn't even think to ask her friend for the money and and was just kind of you know trying to go about it. All these other routes and stuff and the friend was just like okay i'll give it to you you can pay me back if you win and if you don't well it's still worth it you know that was yeah, cool yeah i can't say i would fund that for you guys i, I mean i, care, I, care about I love you both but no i i, do, I can't afford that <laughs> like if i had a guarantee of getting paid back I, mean, I, guess if I had lots of money maybe um yeah if i had lots of money absolutely in a heartbeat but yeah we po <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like not today <laughs> but I, I i really liked that our friend tracked her down to let her know about the janitor and and I thought that was a really good touch. That was another cliche that I thought they were going to play into that I made me very sad that he doesn't ever get to you know she, he doesn't understand how much she acknowledges him because he doesn't ever get to see that but I thought they were going to be like yeah, I'm proud of you blah, blah. you know I, I liked the way it played out. 
Yeah. I liked that the headmistress didn't even recognize her. I thought that was cool. Oh, yeah. What a weird... Oh, drugging kids is just... Yeah. I don't wild. know. We're going to have to look that up. I know. I, I think it's too weird not to be true, but here we are. It, I was about to get political. I was like, there are kids in cages right now, people getting drugged. Yeah. It, it got, yeah. wouldn't be the most surprising thing I've heard about people doing. So. Yeah. But, no, but they feel like it has to be true. But overall, I feel like a good, strong week for watching things. Yeah. I would recommend both. Especially coming off of the week prior. <laughs> yeah, we've had a couple of weeks where it just was like, don't do it. I know. I was talking to Matt. I was like, oh my God, do we hate everything? Have we <laughs> liked? And I feel we- like we almost convinced ourselves out of liking Mandalorian for a moment as we started to talk about the extended universe. I was like, wait, wait, wait. We like this show. We got to bring <laughs> we, have to always, we have to always remember that we are very, very deep, deep, deep Star Wars fans. And so it's like we have, we are going to have critical view on things, but like. But, but the thing is, like, even when I'm watching the episodes, I'm not thinking any of this. I'm just like, baby, I'm... <laughs> like, his ears are flapping. His ears are... Everyone see his ears flapping. Yeah. We all see? Rewind. Rewind again. Rewind and watch the ears flapping. I was, I was re-watching, and my, I got to episode two, and it started, like, well into the episode, and it was just... It was the scene where Baby Yoda eats the frog. Because I clearly had just paused and just rewatched that part multiple times, <laughs> so it was just queued up to there, and I was like, "Oh yes, this makes <laughs> this is on brand. This is something I definitely would have been like. on brand, on brand." Yeah, and we and we only criticize because we love, you know. Absolutely, yeah. We we I can't wait until the next one. Yeah, and, and John Favreau directed it, right? So this is first. I think he directed this one. I I believe that we have a he directed episode one for sure. This one he did, yeah, but I I wasn't sure. I don't know about two. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So apparently, directors for season two are John Favreau, Rick Famuyiwa, who has directed before, okay. Dave Filoni, Bryce Dallas Howard is back. I have feelings on that. Peyton Reed, which I'm excited about Ant Man. Mm-hmm. Oh. Robert Rodriguez. Don't know how I feel about that. Okay. And Carl Weathers. That is interesting. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I know we touched on it before. I'm, I'm just very saddened that my, my precious Deborah Chow's not back, but I know she's doing well, she, We know she's, I mean, I'm sad my precious Taika Waititi is not back. Yes, that'd be wonderful too, but those Deborah episodes last season, oof, woof. Hmm. Robert Rodriguez, that is a... That's interesting. That yeah, I, I would not have... Robert Rodriguez, I'm less surprised by than Carl Weathers. Yeah, that's funny. But I know Bryce is definitely back because I know she and said some. She said something which like, "I'm so excited for you guys to see season two. So I was like, "Okay, well, you know what's happening in season two, then, <laughs> you know." Yeah, I am also realizing a little disappointed by the fact that she's the only female director. Yeah, that's what I think we mentioned. That it was just kind of like not enough. Um, and Deborah was like the other, you know, with yeah, we two episodes last season. And and Bryce, I actually I quite like Bryce Dallas Howard. I I did not love her episode, which is the fourth one with the walker um, yeah i didn't either it felt one very video gamey to yeah, me and, and two the romance felt a little felt worse for me yeah i would say that's probably my weakest of season one mm-hmm. i'm not sure how much story she's responsible for I'm not saying what else has she directed have we have i seen anything else she's done she's newer to the directing table i believe because but maybe she just got a not the best episode that's what i was thinking is like i don't know how much she influenced story but and i know that she had talked about in that one kind of treating the ATST very uh, kind of how, you know, with her Jurassic World experience, at least being in it, dinosaurs on that kind of level and treating it like it's a T-Rex kind of thing. And I know she talked about that, playing her strengths there, but. Yeah, I'm looking at her directing credits. They are not very strong. 
And this short here and there. I was like, oh my God, we're going to have this conversation, aren't we? So going back a little bit, I feel like I have similar issues with her that I do with Sofia Coppola Uh in that I don't feel necessarily like the opportunities that they are handed go hand in hand with their talent talent. and their inherent talent. And like a Deborah Chow is a perfect example of someone who I'm like, probably had to work very, very, very hard to get this directing gig as opposed to having a last name be Howard. Right, right. No, I agree with that. I think that Bryce starting out in her career and stuff and what she was doing, I, I think she's incredible in The Village, the M. Night Shyamalan film. I really think she's great in that movie. I'm not sure, I guess, that I felt extremely strongly about her one way or the other in anything else. So it, you could kind of see some, maybe some nepotism. And kind of like, oh, she's fine. Like, she doesn't d- detract for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to be going and directing and to get for your first, I mean, I, I saw it, actually, she looked it up, but she did the film, the documentary Dads with her dad on uh, Apple TV Plus, which I thought that was cute. Uh, but other than that, yeah, she's, to, to be, have this be kind of like a scripted directorial debut on a grand scale and you, you're handed something Star Wars mm-hmm. is a little bit, like you're saying, it's like, oh, okay, where someone like Deborah Chow has had to prove herself a lot to get that. And so yeah. really, I respect that. And I, I feel always very torn when I, say something like that just because I'm like, okay, well, yes, we also do need representation at the table. We should something be better than nothing, but I'm also like, can it please be the, you know, the whole thing about diversity and inclusion and and all that stuff is like, the idea is to have the best candidates in the room for something, Mm -hmm. not just because they are minorities or because they are diverse. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if she's the best person. No, hundred percent. And like, and to that point, like it's kind of, we touched on it earlier with, you know, you can be happy about something without representation, whatever it is, without being like, okay, great. This is perfect. We're doing our job fully. And, and, you know, we talked about it being Bryce Dallas Howard. Well, okay. I'm glad it's that rather than say Scott Eastwood. Oh God. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, like no, no huge, not not to be too shady to Scott Eastwood, I guess, but I just mean. Okay. But true shade to Scott Eastwood. It feels like he has a rock between his brains, but. Right. Like I'm not a big fan. I also have unpopular opinions. I don't think Clint Eastwood's a very good actor. I, you know, but it's a thing where I just mean, when you talk about nepotism, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, at least she's a woman. That's nice. So it's like, there's that part, but it's not enough, you know, but it's something that could be worse still. So we are still, I mean, I'm happy, not happy, but we need mediocre white, not white, but mediocre women directors too. I mean, there's plenty of mediocre men directors. So true. Um, That's what I mean. If someone's going to be getting the the privilege, I, I guess I'd rather be a woman than just another guy. Yeah, but, I get right. It's that's such a low bar. <laughs> I know, I know, but unbelievable. I get, I get it. I, agree. I, you know, it's it's one of those things where, and maybe, and maybe she'll do her favorite episode this season. Maybe we'll be like, wow, she's incredible. <laughs> They're all friends from different things. A lot of the time, too, you know, being connected is more important than having talent. Okay. A lot of the time, it's all about who you know. A lot of different ways, and I've learned in my life. So yeah, it's just gonna crop up everywhere, yeah. probably. Did I talk to you two about, it's the episode, it's the Mandalorian episode with Ming-Na Wen and there's the kid in it, the like annoying- wants to be in the guild. Yeah, that is Bobby Cannavale's son. Bobby Cannavale's an actor who's in everything, literally everything. And it's like, that's his son. And cause I was like, who is this kid? He is not a good actor. Like that role is annoying. That role is supposed to be annoying, but this kid is also bad at being annoying. How did yeah. this happen? And I looked up and I was like, father is, oh, I went, oh, 
Okay. Meanwhile, the other talent involved, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, like you get yeah. it. You know, but yeah, he he wasn't great. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't upset when he was not going to be a series regular. I was. <laughs> I was upset when she wasn't, but I was not upset when he wasn't. <laughs> I'm hoping that we get to see her again. That would be cool. I thought her character, what they what they set up with her character, just kind of like talking about who she was and how dangerous and this and that. Like, I definitely wanted more from her in that backstory. I wanted a lot more. Yeah, and and character. since we have been sort of dabbling with characters that we have seen before, I'm like, maybe, please, give me, give me. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be really cool. So, All right, yeah. well, we'll have to find out and wait and see. So thank you both for joining until, until next episode. Yeah, thanks for having. Bye. So a little bit of a footnote for this episode. In regards to the Queen's Gambit, we did actually go and look up, and unfortunately, feeding kids sedatives is something that actually happened and is something that is still happening as late as 2018, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's still going on. In fact, a federal judge ordered the Trump administration to stop giving psychotropic drugs to migrant children without consent in 2018. So that part of the Queen's Gambit is not fiction. That is certainly something that happened and it sounds like it's still happening. And that is a major bummer, but at least the Queen's Gambit did factually get that information correct. I almost wish they hadn't, but unfortunately they had. That has been our episode. Thank you so much for joining. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to leave us a review or a rating or even consider subscribing. Thanks again.